this week on Best Friends Horror Story. People are trying to sell hand sanitizer, like resell the big things of hand sanitizer they're like, for hundreds they're like of dollars. They're like scalping hand sanitizer. Y'all are fucked up. Oh my god. That's all. Eight shades of fucked up. It really is. And she also, I remember she was wearing silk pajamas. Yes. When she went in. And I was like, yes. bitch, you are. <laughs> You are living your best life yes, in those she pajamas. Is. Definitely. And this proves useless when Diana cuts the power to the entire neighborhood. Come on. <laughs> She's like, you know what? You guys want to turn on the lights? Fuck you. I'm going to just cut the power to the whole fucking grid. Yeah. You <laughs> want to play? Let's play. Hi, friends. Hello. And welcome <laughs> to your nightmare. Uh, it's been a nightmare because we've been gone for a really long time, it feels like. Well, if you're a regular listener, we've been gone. If you're somebody who is listening to this in the year 2022, uh... Then, hi! Then, hey! We were gone for a little bit, but now we're back because, um, life happens. Yes. And people get busy, and Julie and I don't do this for money. We do it for the pure love of y'all. Yeah. Y'all! And for Julie's love of horror movies. Yeah, and my toleration of them. (laughs) Yes, and you know, if you are listening to this in 2022, that means you survived the coronavirus pandemic. Congratulations! Yeah, we were just literally talking about how there's no hand sanitizer left in any of the stores. I'm talking Home Depot. I'm talking Office Max. I'm talking Walmart. No. No hand sanitizer, no way. I actually read today that people were trying to buy hand sanitizer on like Bath and Body Works, like the website, and they're almost all sold out of their hand sanitizer, which, you know, in, I think it was middle school. No, it was in high school. In my biology class, one of the projects we had to do was we got a Petri dish of E. coli and we had to test either hand soap. (laughs) No, (laughs) we had to either test hand soap or hand sanitizer on which one worked the best to get rid of the virus. And we did hand sanitizer. And surprisingly, Bath and Body Works got rid of almost all of it. Like, it actually outbeat, I think, even Purex when we used that stuff. And I was like, wow, okay, Bath and Body Works. People are trying to sell hand sanitizer, like, resell the big things of hand sanitizer for hundreds of dollars. They're, like, scalping hand sanitizer. Y'all are fucked up. Oh, my God. That's all. Eight shades of fucked up. It really is. Oh, Oh, my gosh. People are weird. So, we're going to talk about two movies today. And they are kind of... You wouldn't think why we would put these two movies together, honestly, because if you have seen either of them, you're like, those really don't go together. But apparently they were written by the same person. Yep. (laughs) I knew that. Christine's like... So this was my idea to put these two movies together. And I just want to say I didn't know that they were both written by the same person. But now that I think about it, I'm like, wow, yeah, that actually makes sense that I wanted to put these two movies together. We're talking about Bird Box and Lights Out. Yes. They were both written by Eric Heisserer. Mm -hmm. I probably said that wrong. So yeah, he he, he writ... (laughs) <laughs> Get your life together, Brigitte. He wrote both Lights Out and Bird Box. We're mm-hmm. going to talk about Bird Box first. was directed by Susan Beer. She also directed Brothers, After the Wedding, and In a Better World. I've not seen none of those. I have seen none of those movies, so, but I do love when a woman directs a horror movie. Ooh, mm. Somehow more I don't know. Horrific. They, so they just hit different, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
So it stars Sandra Bullock, Miss Sandy B. Sandy B. As Mallory. Uh, you know her from Miss Congeniality, The Blind Side, and of course, Speed. Uh- <laughs> I love that movie so much. It's so bad, but it's so good. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Sarah, pa- Sarah Paulson plays her sister, Jessica. She's in American Horror Story and Ocean's 8. Mm-hmm. Trevante Rhodes plays Tom. He was in Moonlight, which won a bunch of awards a few years ago. Yes, it did. John Malkovich plays Douglas. You know him from being John Malkovich. <laughs> <laughs> Danielle McDonald uh, is Olympia. I, I know her from Dumplin', which is funny because I watched Dumplin' like a few days before I watched Bird Box. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, hey, it's that Dumplin' girl. <laughs> Wow. She's getting her life together. She is an actress and she is doing things. She's doing things. Doing it, doing it, do, doing it, doing it. Anyways, uh, also Machine Gun Kelly plays Felix. Oh uh, he was Tommy Lee in The Dirt. Mm-hmm. And he's also a pretty well-known rapper. I don't necessarily like him, but I really actually enjoyed him as Tommy Lee in The he, Dirt. Was, he he was really, Tommy Lee. He did a really good job. I he was like, was oh, Tommy okay, all right. Yeah. And if you've see, if you've not seen The Dirt yet, I do recommend seeing it. Just prepare yourself. The first five or ten minutes is like, whoa. Yeah, it's um, a lot. If you can just push past that and get to the rest of the... <laughs> it's good. The meat of the movie, yeah, so it's to good. say. And then ending it out with Rosa Salazar plays Lucy. She was in Maze Runner. Didn't see it, but whatever. <laughs> All right, so let's get into it. Bird Box. Bird Box. Oh, real quick before I say this. Um, I have a funny story about Bird Box. Oh, no. Um, so I, <laughs> a couple years ago, or last, it was actually last New Year's, uh, Chase and I went out to a friend's beach house. Mm-hmm. Um, we rented two houses. Everybody got sick and quarantined themselves in their rooms. And Chase and I were watching Game of Thrones. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch Bird Box. So I watched Bird Box by myself. And then Chase found out I watched it and was like, hey, I wanted to watch that too. And I was like, okay, fine. So I watched it again with him. And I went downstairs and we were talking to people around a table. And I was like, man, I just watched Birdcage. That's a really good movie. And everybody at the table has seen Birdcage, which you know is not the same as Bird Box. No, it is not. And everybody's like, why are you bringing up Birdcage? Yeah, we know it's a good movie, but like... That's, that's so old, random. That's, that's like an old movie. I'm like, 90s. it just came out on Netflix. <laughs> and they're like... Oh my god. Bird Box? And I'm like, yeah. Oh yeah, no, we're not talking about Robin Williams and Nathan Lane. Yep. Oh, uh, yep. well... No, that's that's exactly what I meant. That's and awesome. every that the whole the rest of the weekend, everybody's like, "Hey, Christine, Birdcage." I'm like, yeah, uh, Birdcage is a great movie, though. It is. I can quote that movie from start to finish. Twyla, Twyla, Twyla. <laughs> oh my god. Anyways, all right. So, Bird Box in a post-apocalyptic world, Mallory, played by Miss Sandy B, advises two young unnamed children that they're going to be going downstream on a river in a rowboat. She sternly instructs them to not remove their blindfolds, or else they will die. From this point. The film alternates between two stages of Mallory's story separated by five years until they can join. Mm-hmm. Her attempt to navigate the river and the events that led to it. 
in the beginning, she refers to the children as boy and girl. She doesn't want to get attached to them. Doesn't want to get attached. Your boy, your girl. Girl, you have your blanket. Boy, you have your whatever, whatever you have. Right. And I'm like, does she even know these kids? Like, I know. That, that really caught me off guard. When I first saw this movie, I was like, wait, wait a minute. But I, I had read the book. Oh, before cheater. I saw this movie. So I, but still it had been a, actually a while since I had read the book. So I was kind of like, oh, okay. <laughs> Five years earlier, this is, they switch back and forth between the two events mm-hmm. quite a lot in this movie. Yes, so you got to catch up. Yeah. Uh, five years earlier, a pregnant Mallory is visited by her sister, Jessica. A news report is on the television about unexplained mass suicides in Romania that are quickly spreading across Europe. Jessica accompanies Mallory to a routine checkup. When leaving the hospital, Mallory sees a woman bashing her head into a glass panel, followed by others panicking as chaos erupts. Jessica sees the entity, loses control of herself as she drives, and the car overturns. An injured Mallory then watches Jessica walk into the path of an oncoming truck killing herself. Mm -hmm. Something that I want to mention is Jessica goes to visit Mallory. She's in like an artist's studio and she's painting and doing all kinds of artsy things, talking about how she doesn't want her life to change. Jessica's like, well, it's about to change whether you want it to or not, because it's very clear that she's keeping the baby, but But she's not attached to it. She doesn't really want to. She doesn't. And it was very clear that her partner, whoever whoever got her pregnant, is like not in the picture anymore. not at all. The, I remember the OBGYN was like, have you thought of any names yet? She's and like, she's no. just like, no, not yet. And she also, I remember she was wearing silk pajamas yes. when she went in. And I was like, yes. bitch, you are, <laughs> you are living your best life yes, in those she silk pajamas. Is, definitely. So, and then they get in the car. Shit starts to shit go starts down. Going down. And I'm just like, oh boy. And like, even the remarks that the Sarah Paulson's character, Jessica, is making, she's talking about their mom. She can see things and you can see her eyes changing. Oh God. It's so creepy the way that they do that though. Like yeah. when they see whatever it is that mm-hmm. makes them do this, their eyes almost look like they're full of burst blood vessels. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of what it looks like mm-hmm. when you have petechial hemorrhaging in your eyes. That's kind of what it looks like. And I'm like, bringing out your big words. Sorry. <laughs> I studied a lot of anatomy when I was in college. Mallory flees on foot. A woman invites Mallory over to her house for safety, even though her husband, Douglas, John Malkovich, disagrees. However, the woman goes into a trance and begins talking to her dead mother and casually just climbs into a burning car. Yeah. Mallory's rescued and brought into their house by Tom, a fleeing passerby. While recovering at their base, Charlie, one of the survivors, who seems to have somewhat comprehensive knowledge of what could be happening, theorizes that demonic entities have invaded Earth, Mm. taking form of their victims' worst fears and driving them insane before causing them to die by suicide. Those damn demons. At Tom's insistence, they cover all the windows and blindfold themselves whenever they must venture outside. Later, Greg volunteers to tie himself to a chair while monitoring the surveillance cameras to see the entity on TV as it approaches, but ends up killing himself by rocking his chair violently and slamming his head into a hearthstone after seeing it, which I could have told you that was going to happen. Duh. Please. Please. Come on. Just because you see him on TV doesn't make him any less scary. Right. As the supply of flued... Flued? <laughs> Did you know we have flued? We have flued, guys. We have flued. <laughs> As the supply of 
food decreases. And with the arrival of a new survivor, Olympia, who is also pregnant, uh, same as Mallory, mm-hmm. most of the group go to a nearby supermarket. Mallory finds pet birds and decides to take them along with their supplies. The group attempts to help a co-worker of Charlie's who's locked outside the supermarket begging for help and whom Charlie describes as a little crazy. Come on. As they contemplate the risks of opening the door, the birds go into hysterics mm-hmm. and the group is attacked by an infected co-worker who was not killed by the entities but instead used to infect others. Mm-hmm. Charlie sacrifices himself to save the others who were able to make to make it back to the house. That part was really, really creepy yeah. to me. Yeah. He's like, I need help. I need help. And then it's like, they tr- he tr- they try to get you to look mm-hmm. at the demons. Yep. And it's really fucking crazy. Yeah. Sometime after, Felix, a survivor, and Lucy steal the car and drive away. Yep. And then they're never heard from again. Nope. Like, seriously, never heard from again. Soon thereafter, Olympia lets Gary, a stranger and apparently lone survivor of another group, into the house, which I immediately knew there was something wrong with fucking that Fucking Gary. Fucking Gary. <sighs> Douglas threatens the other with a shotgun, but is knocked unconscious and imprisoned in the garage. Later, Olympia and Mallory go into labor at At the the same same time. time. Oh my God. I was like, wow, what a coincidence. Yeah. How convenient. Right. Gary takes out various drawings of the entity and seems to undergo a a trance, indicating he could have already been partially overtaken by the entity when he arrived. He opens the garage door to kill Douglas He peeks outside and is completely taken over. He then knocks out Tom and proceeds to uncover all the windows. That part, I was so upset. I'm like, no, 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 no. Wasn't, so, hold on a second. Wasn't that the guy that played uh, Cutler Beckett in Pirates of the Caribbean? I don't know. I think it was. Which, I think it was because I watched it with my husband and I remember going, fucking Cutler Beckett killing people. What a dick. Such a dick. Olympia fails to look away and jumps out the window. But this part was very nerve-wracking because she had just had her baby. She was holding her baby Mm -hmm. and Mallory was begging her, please give me your baby. Give me your baby. Let me see your baby. And so Olympia gives her, were you right? Yes. Olympia gives her the baby before she jumps. Yes, she does. That whole time I was just like on pins and needles. Oh yeah. Like, do not jump with that baby. Like, yeah. I know it's a movie, and I know it's not a real baby right now, but, but like, yeah, that was, give her your it baby. Was, it was a lot. Uh, Gary forces Cheryl to look, and Cheryl repeatedly stabs herself in the neck with a pair of scissors. That got turned into a meme, by the way. <clears throat> Him forcing oh, her to look. That, really? Yes, that got turned into a huge meme. People were posting it everywhere oh. after that movie came out. Well, if you don't know, now you know. Douglas blindly attempts to kill Gary with a shotgun but fails, which results in Gary being able to kill Douglas with scissors. Rude. Rude. Bye-bye, John Malkovich. Bye, John Malkovich. While Mallory tries to protect the newborn babies, Mallory's boy and Olympia's girl, Tom recovers consciousness in time, just just in time to overpower and kill Gary. Yeah. Which, thank goodness. Fucking Gary. Because he was going to, like, make the babies look. Yeah. Ugh. Rude. Five years later, Tom and Mallory are living together with the children, whose only names are Boy 
and girl. They receive a transmission from Rick, a survivor, stating that they are well in, and safe in a community hidden into the forest. The four decide to go out of the community, but are ambushed by a group of infected survivors along the way. Without hesitation, Tom runs and distract the group, while Mallory and the children attempt to make an escape. And by the way, they're blindfolded this mm-hmm. whole time yeah. outside, trying to make their way along. When the group notices Mallory and the children are escaping, Tom decides to open his eyes and shoot the group dead. Yeah, he does. He's overtaken by one of the entities, but manages to shoot the last member of the group before shooting himself, and it was so sad. It was really sad. That it was, was a very sad part of the movie. <laughs> Mallory, the children, and their pet birds, which are carried in a box to provide a warning against the entity, make their way blindfolded down the river on a boat, which you gotta be fucking kidding me. Blindfolded trying to navigate a river with mm, rapids? No, thank you. It's bad enough having your eyes open, open when you're trying to navigate rapids. Like, that's... Uh, yeah. Ugh. I was the entire time, because I've been on rapids before. If your boat is slightly in the wrong position and you go through rapids, you can either have your boat destroyed or flipped over. You can smack yourself on a rock. Like, mm-hmm. it's so perilous. And so I'm sitting there like... Oh my god. Yeah. Well, even before, like, so before they go down the rapids, there's an infected guy in, in the, the river. Yeah, in the river. And that he tries was... to, like, Oof. get them in their boat yeah. and stuff. And I, she ends up getting away, like, smacking him with the oar mm-hmm. and stuff. And I'm just, the people who are infected, their eyes are like that permanently. Yeah. We made a, a kind of a hypothesis that it's, like, mentally unstable people mm-hmm. that were able to be infected but not kill themselves mm-hmm. and become like the gatherers of right. people to look. Right. I think it's mentally unstable people. I, I think so too. As they're going down the rapids, the boat flips, but Mallory, Boy, and Curl manage to all find each other. Soon after, all three were are separated when Mallory accidentally slides down a hill. The entities attempt to convince Boy and Girl to remove their blindfolds using Mallory's voice, mm-hmm. and Mallory is able to tell them to fight the urge, and she ends up finding them. Mm-hmm. They all end up finding each other and boy and girl actually don't lift their blindfolds but that is also a very nerve-wracking scene as well because i'm like i don't want to see kids kill themselves right come on no the three eventually reach the community a former former school for the blind mallory releases the birds and finally gives the children's Children names Tom and Olympia. Two things about this. One is the creepiest scene in this movie was when she's trying to look for supplies and she finds like an old hospital, I think is what it is. Maybe mm-hmm. it was like, and, and she puts string to lead her back to oh. the boat. And she ties it to a bed in this hospital and she hears noise and she goes back and this bed is being like pulled across the room by whatever is out there and it has hold of the string. Oh God, that was that was so creepy. Yeah. Ugh. That and, was an incredibly creepy scene. And the other thing about this is I liked this movie. I did. I thought it was really well done. I thought the acting was really good. All around it was a good movie. When it got to the end though, I was a little disappointed because, spoiler alert, the end of the book is way different than the end of this movie. I wish they would have used the ending from the book because the ending of the book is they show up at the sanctuary, are greeted by the 
guy who's the head of the school of the blind because he's blind and he leads them out into the sanctuary where everybody is and everybody in the sanctuary who is not blind has blinded themselves oh like they have I do remember their somebody eyes telling out. me this yeah, yeah they have gouged their eyes out and she's like kind of horrified by this mm-hmm. and that's where the book ends I kind of wish they would have done that like that way it's a little bit uneasy yeah, and I not mean, so like Disney right hey we're all here. in the book she's like walking around and she's seeing people that are blind you know so she thinks that oh you know great everybody's you know but once she goes out in amongst all these people she sees that they have gouged their own eyes out and it's like it's very very uneasy you kind of end the book and you're like <laughs> it's, it's so i do wish they would have kept the original ending it but all in all I did actually really enjoy this movie I did as well I just I can't even imagine so you remember that bird box challenge that everybody was doing that people were like getting hit by cars and everything like that so dumb so stupid but when you think about it like that's exactly how it would be like we don't if you rely on one sense more than another like those of us who are able to see those of us who are able to hear you know it just when you're without that sense you rely on other things Mm -hmm. to get you around and when it comes to life and death you have to rely on something else other than what you can use right Right. And I also, I love movies that put you in a space of what would you do? And I think that this movie does a really good job of like presenting you with challenges that you kind of sit there and go, well, shit, what would I do? I think that adds to the unease is you're sitting there going, like weighing the pros and cons of a situation that you're not even in, but it kind of helps to heighten the discomfort that you're feeling because you're sitting there kind of weighing the options with the person in the film. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I really did like I wish... That we, and I know that it's impossible, but I wish that we could have seen what they saw. Yeah. I get that it's the whole allure of, Mm -hmm. you know, the mystery of what everybody sees is, you know, personalized to them. Right. But I wish we could at least, like, have seen the creature. Right. But it did add to the mystique. Right. I'm always of the mind that sometimes... It's just better not to see the thing. Like, I like Cloverfield until they showed you the monster because it looked like a giant flea and I just couldn't take it seriously after that. I love Cloverfield. I'm not a huge fan Cloverfield. of Cloverfield. Partially because I saw it in theaters and I just remember being like, I'm gonna get sick if I continue to watch this movie just mm. because the, yeah. the camera work is too much. Let's move on to Lights Out. Lights Out, so, motherfucker. Lights Out came out in 2016. I remember seeing the short for this on YouTube, like right after they announced that it was going to be like a full length movie. So I was like, okay, I'll go watch the short. So I watched the short and I was like, ugh. If you want to have <laughs> a serious like reaction to something. Yeah. Something that'll make you want to throw your phone across the room. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's that. It's pretty creepy. It's like kind of on par with the short for Mama because that short got me pretty good too, honestly. Oh, Jesus. Lights Out came out in 2016. Um, it was produced by... Dave, or it was directed by David Sandberg, who directed Annabelle Creation and Shazam. So we've talked about some of his work before. He does good work, so good for him. And it was produced by James Wan, which I don't need to tell you what James Wan has done. Because James he, Wan. he has a repertoire that speaks for himself. It stars a lot of people, but I'm only going to go through kind of like the main people because the rest of them, we don't really need to 
know about. <laughs> so the first person I'm gonna talk about is Therese Palmer. She plays Rebecca. She's kind of like the main girl. She was in The Grudge too. That was really the only thing out of her repertoire that I noticed. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh yeah. She played the sister in that. So then we have Gabriel Bateman as Martin. He's in Annabelle as some random kind of just like extra. Background yeah. Character. And then he was in that god awful new child's play movie. Oh. I fucking hated that movie. I told myself I wasn't going to watch it and then I watched it and I hated myself for it because I love the Is original. That's the one with Aubrey Plaza. Yes. Oh. I, I can't see her as a mom. Why did they I can't cast either. her as the mom? I mean, she wasn't good. I mean, that, and that was the thing. Like, I like Aubrey Plaza, but she was not good in this movie because she was not good Dave for that Bell. role. No, she wasn't. Yeah. And as much as I love Mark Hamill and his voice work, you'll never be Brad Dorif. You'll never be Brad Dorif. And you can't have Chucky and not be Brad Dorif. It just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. Sorry, side rant. <laughs> Then we have Alexander Despierja, I think is how you say his name. And he plays Brett and he um, is in Pose, which is a great TV show. If anybody hasn't watched it, they should. Pose? Pose. <laughs> I was posing. <laughs> it's uh, got Billy Porter in it. And, oh, oh, uh, oh, oh, oh. It's the oh, oh. one. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, great show. Um, then you have Billy Burke. He plays Paul. He was in the Twilight movies. He played Charlie Swan, Bella's dad. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, God. I know that guy. I know that guy. <laughs> and then he was also in 24. And oh. then we have Maria Bello. She plays Sophie. She's in that third mummy movie that nobody likes to pretend happened. <laughs> because she took over Rachel Wise's character and nobody liked that. And she was also in ER and A History of Violence with Viggo Mortensen. And they had a really weird sex scene on some stairs. I saw that movie with my mom and it made me uncomfortable. <laughs> well, speaking of uncomfortable, sex on stairs right? is not that comfortable. It's angry too, so. Sorry, okay. siblings that are listening. Right. <laughs> so, Both in-laws yes. and regular. Sorry. It starts out in a textile factory and it's during closing hours, so there's nobody there. And there's an employee named Esther. And and she's closing up the shop and you actually see this scene in the trailer. They made it a point to put this scene in the trailer. <laughs> and she's like turning off the lights. And every time she turns off one of the lights, cause there's like a row, she sees this woman and she has these like claw hands and she can only see her when the lights are out. She can't see them when they're mm -hmm. on. So she's like turning off the lights and the woman's getting closer, which each, each light she's turning off. And I'm just like, oh my God, <laughs> go away. <laughs> she like gets super freaked out and she leaves. She's like, goodbye. And after she leaves, her boss, Paul, encounters the woman and he ends up getting killed. And it's, it's pretty, it's pretty creepy. That, that first scene grabs you kind of right off the bat. And I love a horror movie that does that. So can then, I, can I, can I say something? Yes. I have made a mistake. <laughs> I thought that the movie that's called Lights Out is Don't Breathe. <laughs> I, I have seen Lights Out, but I thought we were going to talk about Don't Breathe because I thought that was Lights Out. Uh. And I was like, why isn't? Why? It's not in a textile oh. factory. That's my bad. But well, let's talk Lights Out. We can talk about Lights Out in the movie. We'll, we'll talk, talk about, about Don't, Don't Breathe in another movie. Okay. Or in another episode. Sorry, well, y'all. that's hilarious. That's okay. Christine for you. <laughs> Christine Brain. Paul's stepdaughter, Rebecca, is called into the school's nerf... Oh, nerf. <laughs> into the... We just can't get our shit together today, We're not even... We don't even have colds. No. We're the we're, coronavirus. We're fine. <laughs> 
Rebecca is called into the school's nurse's office because of her brother, Martin. And Rebecca and Martin, they're half-siblings, and they have the same mother, who is Sophie. And the nurse was unable to get in touch with Sophie to inform her that Martin has been falling asleep in class lately. And Child Protective Services sends an agent who questions Rebecca about, you know, Martin's living conditions and kind of what he's going through. And Rebecca says that Sophie has had depression and she's been taking antidepressants and all this stuff. So then Martin is, he's telling his sister that their mother has been talking to a woman named Diana. (laughs) Just like Diana. He's just like, yeah, she's talking to this lady and she's Diana, but Diana is not real. And Rebecca assures him that Diana isn't real and that she also has heard their mother talk to this imaginary person when she was younger. So Rebecca gets into an argument with Sophie when she realizes that her mom has not been taking her medication and she gets real pissed off about it. Naughty, naughty. Which I would too, honestly, if like my mother, I don't have any siblings, but if my mother was depressed and was supposed to be taking antidepressants and she was taking care of my brother and she wasn't taking her medication. I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody would be pissed about that. After she has this argument, she takes Martin to her apartment so that she can just get him out of that situation. He can maybe get some sleep. And then that night, Rebecca is woken up by the same shadowed woman that killed Paul. And she narrowly escapes an attack when she turns on the lights and the woman disappears. And then the next morning, she notices the name Diana has been scratched into her floor. Dirty Diana! Dirty Diana! And there's also a drawing of like a stick figure. She remembers finding the same name and drawing as a child. And that's when she kind of realizes that Diana is actually real. Bitch is real. She's real. And Rebecca finds a box of old medical records and research in Paul's office. And her finding reveals that her mother was admitted to a mental hospital as a child. And while she was there, she befriended a young other patient whose name was Diana. And Diana suffered from a severe skin condition that meant she could not go in sunlight and she was actually accidentally killed by the hospital staff when they tried an experimental surgery under intense light (laughs) sorry about our accident you died it was believed that she was evil and was able to get into people's heads and diana's father committed suicide after diana got in his head and in and she like influenced him to kill himself so this kind of actually goes along with her box a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so Rebecca. I knew it the whole time. See, the whole time Christine knew it. <laughs> I was playing you like a goddamn fiddle. <laughs> so Rebecca and her boyfriend Brett and Martin all stage an intervention with their mom about how she's letting Diana haunt them, basically. Like she's allowing her to be around because of all that negative this is an intervention intervention (laughs) sophie gets super pissed off but she secretly is like asking rebecca for help because diana won't let her go Mm -hmm. so she actually wants diana to go away but she won't such a creepy scene oh god yeah it's really bad because she's like i'm fine i'm fine and like you literally see somebody pull Pull, on her nightgown yeah oh yeah so the group is like hey we're gonna stay at your house tonight 
night, intending to help her in the morning. And so to avoid an attack from Diana during the night, they rig the house to be as brightly lit as possible. And this proves useless when Diana cuts the power to the entire neighborhood. Yeah, man. <laughs> She's like, you know what? You guys want to turn on the lights? Fuck you. I'm going to just cut the power to the whole fucking grid. Yeah. You <laughs> want to play? Let's play. So she traps Rebecca and Martin in the basement and attempts to kill Brett. And Brett escapes, seemingly abandons the others. And they're like, well, fuck you then. And then in the basement, Rebecca finds a blacklight and she clearly sees Diana with it. And you're like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's not not good looking she realizes it's not power enough powerful enough to harm her but she doesn't disappear so it's like she, she can see her but she doesn't disappear completely and she can get severely hurt if a bright light shines on her while the black light is still shining on so they kind of come up with a secret formula to kill her i guess brett shows up with two police officers the officers free martin and rebecca from the basement Only to be murdered by Diana. Yeah. (laughs) And then Brett and Martin run, and then Rebecca remembers that her mother is still in the bedroom. And as she climbs the stairs, Diana tells Rebecca that she killed Rebecca's father years ago. As Diana prepares to kill her, Sophie appears with a gun from one of the dead officers. Sophie has realized that she is the tether for Diana to exist in the real world and sacrifices herself to save Rebecca. So she kills herself. So sad. Yeah. And as her body falls, Diana vanishes. After the long night, Brett comforts Martin and Rebecca in an ambulance outside the house, assuming, assuring them that Diana is truly gone. I liked this movie for a couple of reasons. One is because it is a really great example of a metaphor done in a film in a really great way. Obviously, this film is a metaphor for depression and Mm -hmm. mental illness. Mm -hmm. And it does a really good job of conveying that without being too like ham-fisted in its attempt to make you understand that i also liked it because it left no room for a goddamn sequel yeah that's true it literally was just like this was one and done and i was like thank you jesus because this was about the time that there were a ton of horror movies coming out that were either sequels or setting themselves up for a sequel and i was like finally somebody has made a movie a horror movie that is just one and done that's it there's no oh well is she really gone or oh what's gonna happen or oh there's gonna be a sequel no it was just like one and done and i was very grateful for that yes there's a scene that i'm remembering where diana is holding one of the characters above her head like she it's outside yeah and she's holding him above her head and they turn the car lights on yep she disappears and he literally just falls falls down the ground yep yep and i remember seeing that and i'm like yeah yeah no it and this movie had so many moments in it that were just like the scene in her apartment where there's like a light that's outside of her outside of her window because i think she lives above like a club or like something like that and it like blinks it's like a neon light and it blinks and every time it's it like goes dark she's like in the corner and i'm just like oh oh god i hate it so much Mm -hmm. It's so creepy. I think this movie was probably in 2016, like one of the better movies to come out of that year. Definitely. Like it, it just, it was really, really well done. And it made me hopeful that there were actually going to be some good horror movies coming out. And I actually think that this was David Sandberg's first film, like full length film that he did. Hmm. 
Because I think it got picked up off of his short film because he did the short film as well. So I think it got picked up off of that, which he's proven to be a actually pretty good director. Shazam was awesome. <laughs> Shazam was fantastic. So I hope I hope we see more from him in the future. I'm not sure if he has any upcoming projects or not, but I would love to see him do more horror movies because Annabelle Creation was good. Like, it was a good, solid movie, and I guess he's doing the Shazam sequel, because I guess there's gonna be a sequel. He's mostly done shorts. I mean, looking at his IMDb, Lights Out was the first full-length horror movie, or full-length movie that he did. So I hope he does more horror movies. I, I think it, I think he has a really good eye for horror movies, and I'd love to see him do more. Okay, so because originally we wanted to do Don't Breathe, we're just gonna throw that- Surprise, bitch! In here, too. It's a bonus- you yeah, know? you know how I love my bonus workouts. Right? So <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing too many DVD workout videos. All the DVD workout videos. And she always throws in a Autumn Calbrazi, however you say her name, oh that God. does beach body. <laughs> how about you give me some sponsorship here? Right. Uh, she does, you know how I love my bonus workouts. And I'm like, yeah, yeah you do. Uh, <laughs> Good job, girl. Bitch, uh, it hurts. <laughs> Okay, Don't Breathe also came out in 2016. Don't Breathe! And it was directed by Fede Alvarez, who also directed the remake that they did of Evil Dead, which was a pretty good movie. And it was co-produced by Sam Raimi. And, of course, that makes perfect sense, and Sam Raimi directed... Evil Dead, the original. It stars Jane Levy, who was in the remake of Evil Dead. It stars Stephen Lang as um, the blind guy. Yeah, he doesn't really have a name. It's just the blind guy. Yeah, he, isn't it Nordstrom? Isn't that his last name? I don't know. He he's been in a ton of movies. Um, He was in um, he was Hannibal Lecter in Manhunter in 1986. I do remember him as that. Um, Or no, he was Freddie Lowndes. That's right. But uh, he was really great in that movie. If you guys haven't seen it, it's awesome. He was also in uh, Gettysburg. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Like, law. he's been in a couple orders of Law and Order, Criminal Intent. He was in Salem. He was Increase Mather in Salem. Oh my god, he was so creepy Ugh. as Increase Mather. I oh hated my god. it. I hated it. Then Dylan Christopher Minnette. <laughs> he's in 13 Reasons Why. Oh, that and guy. And that terrible Netflix movie, uh, The Open House. God, that movie was awful. He's also in it. He plays Alex. Sorry, Jane Levy plays Roxanne or Roxy. And yes, uh, Stephen Lang, the blind man, his name is Norman Nordstrom. Norman Nordstrom. That's like Steven Stevenson. Any relation to the Nordstroms here in Washington? Uh, If you see the movie, uh, the house that he lives in, no, he is not related to the Nordstroms. And then Daniel Zovato as Money. Money. And he was in It Follows and Beneath. And he was also in Fear the Walking Dead, too. Mm, That is... One of my favorite horror movies, It Follows. Oh, God, that's... We're gonna have to talk about It Follows, too, because that movie fucked me up. Uh, yeah, you told me about it. I did. And I watched it. Oh, it's it's awesome. Rocky, Alex, and Money... Money! I can't with these names. Oh my god. Actually, so that's one of my sister's nicknames. Really? Is G-Money. Well, that's right. You told me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there are three Detroit delinquents who make a living by breaking into houses and stealing val- valuables. 
Yeah. Good job, guys. They did a really good job of showing, like, the downridden side of Detroit. Oh, yeah. Ugh. Yeah, they did. Rocky longs to move to California with her younger sister, Diddy. That's her younger sister's name. Rocky and Diddy. Yeah. And escape their abusive mother and her alcoholic boyfriend. However, much of the tree, much to the trio's frustration, their fence keeps undervaluing the items they bring in. They'll go steal things and then they'll try to fence them and they keep undervaluing all the stuff that they bring in. They can't obviously do anything about that. So then money receives a tip from their fence that a man has $300,000 in cash in his house in an abandoned Detroit neighborhood. As you do. Right? Just keeping $300,000, just chilling. The cash was reportedly a settlement after a wealthy young woman, Cindy Roberts, killed his daughter in a car accident. The three spy on the house and learn that the man, a Gulf War veteran, Norman Nordstrom, is blind. A Gulf War veteran. Why would, why, why would you be like, yeah, no, I'm gonna break into that house, you fucking idiots. (laughs) He's got training. At night, the three approach the house. They drug Nordstrom's Rottweiler dog, and then they find a way in. Money goes. That's rude. I know. I hate when people put dogs in horror movies just to either hurt them, drug them, or kill them. I don't like it. Like, I don't like when people use animals as plot devices. Have the dog, you know, just be there. Don't do anything to it. They drug the Rottweiler, and then Money goes upstairs and puts a sleeping gas bottle in Nordstrom's bedroom. The search, the group search the house, but they can't find any of the money. Which, (laughs) you think it's just going to be out laying on the coffee table? laying on the coffee table. I count my money every night to make sure that every dollar is there. So then they see like this locked door and money assumes that the money is hidden down in the basement and then he shoots the lock, which you're a fucking idiot. The noise wakes up Nordstrom, obviously, because you fucking shot a lock off in a house. If anybody's ever fired a gun, you know how loud guns are, right? Like they're loud. And you're going to shoot that in a house? You're you're an idiot. (laughs) Something that they don't show enough in movies, I know they do in some, but not enough. They do not show how... It like if a bomb goes off near you or if somebody shoots a gun by your face, right. how loud it is and how it affects you. Except the other guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah. No, no, they do. It. No, I said that they do in some. Yes. You don't see it. You don't no. see it. They're just like, oh, I gotta get up and keep running and everything's at full volume. Right. I've had guns shot right by my face, but that's, that's from many things that I've done in my life. You know, being at shooting ranges and gun ranges, you always want to wear ear protection, but even with ear protection, that shit is loud. Mm-hmm. It is hella loud. So, I mean, these kids are not very smart. Obviously, we'll see as this goes on. Yeah. <laughs> so, the noise wakes up the blind guy, and he overpowers Money while Roxy and Alex hide. After Money insists he is alone, Nordstrom kills him. Like, he's like, fine, you're alone, I'll just fucking kill you. Yeah. Rocky hides in the closet and she witnesses the man open a hidden safe to check his money. And then after he leaves, she opens the safe and takes the money. However, Nordstrom finds Rocky's shoes and realizes that money is not the only intruder. Rocky and Alex evade Nordstrom and enter the basement. There they find a restrained and gagged woman in a homemade padded cell. That was really freaky. It was. It definitely was. Anytime people go into basements and they find things down there, I'm just like, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, all basements <laughs> should be finished. Uh, they should all be finished. No, none of the, that unfinished basement shit. No unfinished business. No. So there they find a restraining gagged woman in the homemade padded cell, and the woman is Cindy Roberts. And that she was found incident after the car accident. (laughs) So he was like, fine, I will exact my own justice. 
This is where it gets real fucked up. Yes, it does. So Rocky and Alex, they fr- they free her and they attempt to open a storm cellar door. So like those doors that you see in like movies where they close the storm cellar door. They have them a lot in the Midwest. Uh, because of tornadoes. Yes. And tornadoes will fuck your shit up. So they will. Oh, yeah. So then Nordstrom shoots at them. <laughs> and accidentally kills Cindy. Oh. He breaks down and cries and, and he's very distraught over her dead body. And then Rocky and Alex rush back up to the cellar while Nordstrom shuts off the lights. And so they're all in darkness. And so they're kind of in his world now, which yeah. I think is actually kind of cool. That and he kind of dialogues that as well. Yes, he does talk about how, you know, I'm blind, but you guys... Now you're going to be blind too. Okay, now you're going to be blind. After they do like a little bit of struggle, Alex knocks out Nordstrom and then they run upstairs. After blocking the basement door, they encounter the dog who has woken up. <laughs> they flee into the bedroom where they are trapped by the barred windows. Rocky escapes the room through a ventilation duct while the dog attacks Alex. <laughs> he falls out of a window onto a skylight and is knocked out. When Alex wakes up, Nordstrom shoots out the skylight and corners Alex in the utility room, appearing to kill him with a pair of garden shears. Uh, meanwhile, the dog pursues Rocky through the vents and she is captured by Nordstrom. Rocky wakes up restrained in the basement. Nordstrom puts Cindy's corpse in a big metal box and fills it up with acid and then covers it with a piece of the floor. Wow. As one does. <laughs> yes. This is where it gets fucked up. Yeah. He reveals that Cindy was pregnant with his replacement child, explaining that he is not a rapist. Not a rapist. Mm-hmm. He then prepares to artificially inseminate Rocky using a turkey baster. But here's the thing. He walks towards her with it and it's dripping. It's dripping. It's gross. Um, I screamed. <laughs> I screamed like, no. when I saw it dripping out of the turkey baster. Yeah. I was like, that's your jizz that's gross and you're gonna artificially turkey based your jizz into this girl and you are saying that you're not a rapist right oh please so then promises to let her go though after she gives him a child so it's fine (laughs) just you know nine or ten months it's fine Alex, who survived by fooling Nordstrom to stab Money's corpse, saves Rocky and handcuffs Nordstrom. Rocky and Alex use the turkey baster as a weapon on Nordstrom. That's right. Yep. Rocky and Alex try to lead through the front door, but Nordstrom breaks free and shoots Alex dead. Rocky flees as the dog pursues her. She manages to trap the dog in her car trunk, but gets captured again by Nordstrom. Inside his house, Rocky disorientates him by setting off the house's alarm system and then hits him repeatedly in the head with a crowbar and pushes him into the basement. A gun fires as he falls, believing him dead. Rocky escapes before the police arrive. Before boarding a train to Los Angeles, Rocky and Diddy see a news report about the incident. Nordstrom, who is recovering in a hospital, is reported to have killed two intruders in self-defense. He doesn't mention Rocky or the missing money, and then Rocky and Diddy board the train and they leave. Yeah. I liked this movie actually a lot. I liked it a lot too. Uh, the just the the amount of tension that's build going up. on, so is, much build it's up, so crazy. It's really, really, it's really good. I think it's interesting because Fede Alvarez, his first you know foray into films was Evil Dead. And that was so gory. There was so much blood. It was like really fun. This was a really stark contrast to that. There was no like supernatural elements. He just, he wanted to do something that was more grounded in reality. And it was more intense than comical almost. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that. There were like no funny 
No oh, laugh no. lines in this no, movie. No, there really wasn't. It was one of those few horror movies that really doesn't use the element of humor to kind of move it along a little bit. But I actually really enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. I Same. think I, I've watched it a couple times because I did see it in theaters, but I watched it a couple times since then. It's one of those movies that by the time you're done watching it, your shoulders are up by your ears and you're yeah. like, oh, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also like that it is not too long. Yeah. It's only 88 minutes. Thank goodness. Like it just, it's really tight. It's a really tight horror movie. It is exactly what it says it is. There's no like twist. I mean, the twist the, is there. The twist was him... Artificially inseminating the girl who drunk drove right. and uh, killed his daughter. I did not see that coming. That oh, I didn't. Was, that was fucked. Yeah, I thought I I wasn't quite sure as to what the twist was gonna be because I remember seeing the trailer for this and going, well, okay, is that just the entire movie? Like blind dude chasing these kids around this house? I mean, I, I don't hate that idea, but there's got to be something more, and and they delivered with that. Yeah, yeah, they so, definitely did. So sorry that we got those two confused, but well, it wasn't a we thing. It was a me, it was a Christine. <laughs> it was thing. a Christine thing, but you know, hey. Just, you get more bang for your buck in this episode, okay? Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks for stopping by. (laughs) Sorry, we had kind of a little mix-up. We're just getting back into this and, you know. Getting back into the swing of life. The swing of life. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you guys so much for a thousand followers on Twitter. More than a thousand. More than a thousand. It's like a thousand and nineteen. I know. It's so awesome. The Twitter community is really great. I just really enjoy going on there and seeing everybody talking about their podcasts. And I listen to some of you. And I honestly probably would not have even known about a lot of these podcasts if I hadn't been interacting with them on Twitter. So... BF Horror Story is our Twitter. You can go follow us there. Best Friends Horror Story on Instagram. Yes. And we've got some really cool stuff coming up. We're going to do Insidious. So we're going to do the whole series of all the movies. Tres. Tres. Aren't there four? Quattro. Quattro. (laughs) Um, And then we're going to do our challenge episode from CJ over at Coffee Talk with CJ. And then we're going to do... The Invisible Man. The Invisible Man. And Hollow Man. And Hollow Man. Kind of like a a comparison. Right. Because I don't think that Invisible Man is trying to be Hollow Man. No, considering the Invisible Invisible Man came out uh, way back in the day. This is just kind of a a reimagining of it. I'm hoping it's good. It's gotten fantastic reviews. Yeah. Like, and a really great cast. Yeah, too. and it does have a really great cast. So I'm looking forward to it. Elizabeth I think. Moss. Mm. I know. Who doesn't love Elizabeth? She Moss? is amazing. I just started watching Mad Men. Oh, and... you just are Oh, welcome to the party. Um, so here's the thing about me. I don't watch things when they are <laughs> popular. I wait until they're done and then a few years later later I'll start watching. Yeah. No, Mad Men's great, and she does a really good job in Mad Men. I actually just recently was like, I should probably, I should watch Mad Men again. Yeah. Because it's a great show. It is a really good show. So we've got a lot of fun stuff coming up. Please follow us on all of our socials. We are available wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Go get some Girl Scout cookies. It's that season. It is that season. All right, bye. Okay, bye.